podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Unbelievable! as possibly bleak as this. Welcome everyone to another episode of Chessie Hour. We are back. Uh, we took a little water break, but the season has started. I'm your host, Daniel Soft, and I'm joined by an OG in Meads. What are you saying, Meads? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. It's hot. It's crazy hot, but we're taking our time out on this hot day to give you Chessie content, so you better be thankful. Um, <laughs> And we've also got man like Joey saying, Joe. I'm good, man. Hope you're blessed. Yeah, all blessed, all good. So it feels like I haven't kind of spoken to either of you about what you think of Chelsea so far, which is good. Because I kind of, I think the big thing is our attack. Now, going into this, going into the summer, some people thought that attack wasn't the, one of the main places we need to solve. And this was before Rudiger left and Aspi left, et cetera, et cetera. We have made a whole lot of defensive signs, but now it seems like Tuchel is ripping up the attack. So I want to come to you at first meet and the attacking situation. What's your general thoughts on this? It looks like, because at first people thought maybe we'll get one second in, but now it seems everybody's, it's like a fire cell. Yeah. I mean, you, you know my position. I've always said that we've got way too many attackers um, and the biggest problem with that is that no one gets enough consistency, no one gets enough of a run because there's always a number of players that's there to be used. Mm-hmm. Um, and whilst it's good for a manager to have options, I also think it can be kind of, um, you know, it, it can be quite negative mm-hmm. um, because it, it doesn't allow any of these players to get rhythm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was the same under Frank Lampard and it followed through. Um, under Tuchel too. Now that's not to say that these players are fantastic or they're world beaters by any stretch because I think generally Cream generally rises to the top um, if they get enough opportunities. Um, I feel like players like Ziyech, Werner especially who, who's gone back to Leipzig um, they've had enough opportunities in my opinion to show what they really can do and whether they can submit a, a spot on the side um, and they've not really been good enough so I'm happy with the sales. I'm happy with, you know, all the rumours of people going because I, I want Tuchel to really um, get the people he wants in. He takes accountability for these players um, because it's all good and well saying, yeah, um, yeah, it's all good and well, you know, saying, oh, um, yeah, there's not, they're not his attack. That's not his, that's not his players, blah, blah, blah. I hear that. I hear that. I hear that argument. But then at the same time, he's the coach. You know what I mean? So he's supposed to be formulating a, an attack and, a, a, and not even just an attack, a team that attacks well. He does that. But I think just generally, if you look at the quality um, in our attack and just the way it, it just doesn't give me, oh, yeah, that's a threatening attack. That's a dangerous attack. It doesn't give me that vibe. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm happy with all these people going, um, to be honest. There's, uh, just I, I couldn't really care less. Yeah. about many of them dipping to be perfectly honest there's only me, a few that i really me, care about let me ask you this before i come to joe so you kind of hit on the fact that actually all of them have excuses because there's been mm. so many heads that all of them mm. say, well the disruption because there's so many people i haven't been able to play regularly etc etc i know you said that you think burner is here just had enough time but yeah you don't have to rate the players when i'm asking you this question but if it was a smaller bunch in an attack, do you feel like any of the players will actually have done enough for people to rate them to stay here? Um, from the, as in the current players, yeah, what they've done, or you mean no, if they no. had enough opportunity? Yeah. So if like we didn't have seven or eight man in attack, we just had five, and that meant that like Ziyech got regular football or Werner got regular football. Do you feel like Werner playing regularly? would have done enough to, you know, keep people's, keep the faith. And no, Werner, I think that's the rest of that. No. Well. Yeah, no, I think Werner lacks quality. So no. Okay. Um, Hakim Ziyech, maybe, but I think Hakim Ziyech is generally a frustrating footballer. Mm-hmm. So maybe not. Pulisic. Christian Pulisic, um, potentially. 
Um, yeah, potentially Pulisic, although I don't really rate him as highly as most of the fan base do. I think where he's shown when he has been given consistency and a consistent run that he is actually quite decent. Um, so yeah, potentially Pulisic. Um, who else is there? Havertz. Havertz, I think he's another one where on the face of it, he looks like he's played loads of games for us, but yeah. I don't think he's actually. I don't think he's actually played thirty games a season for us. No. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he's completed like twenty five prem games for us um, a season. So I think even with him, Amen. there may be a question of you know people wanting more, which I get. Um, but I don't think he's actually played enough either, which is a bit weird because you'd associate Kyle with the starting lineup, but he, he actually isn't, to be honest. And that, that's more symptomatic of you know, having so many choices because I I would like, when I looked at his starts, I'm like, oh, wait, shit. He actually doesn't, didn't start that much. You know what I mean? Yeah. If, if, we, if we remember, during both seasons of Tuchel, there's been times where he's just taken Havertz out for a while. And, yeah. and when people say, oh, he's got this many goals and, and we'll go, move on to Hudson as well soon. Um, last season, he got like, not one and two, but 0.4. So almost one and two. So if he did start around 30, and I know you can't extrapolate that, but if he, if he does start around 30, that's 15 goals. Everybody will be happy with that. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, again, so potentially you said Pulisic. Maybe the Chelsea fans are satisfied with him if he's given regular football. You said Havertz, maybe they're satisfied with him. What about hudson Yeah, Hudson, I don't know. I think Hudson... Um, I thought, for me, Hudson, generally, when he does, does get a run in a team... He does look the more, most impressive out of the bunch, really, aside from probably Mason Mount. But I feel people are a little bit not necessarily confused. I think they just feel like because his finishing isn't great, that he shouldn't be in the attack. But they also think that they're not entirely sure what he is anymore because I think there's this idea of Hudson Ladoy and what actually Hudson Ladoy actually is. Um, and I think people are confusing the two. I think they're they're looking at the Arsenal preseason game as this dynamite attacking um, winger that is going at your neck every single time. Mm. Um, but generally, they're ignoring all the other hundred games that he's appeared in, um, where you know he's a measured, calculated, um, wide midfielder who likes to create from wide. You know, and <laughs> that's generally but his game. Would that could would it be fair then if he played more football, then they'd be way more familiar with these games? Facts. I, I I definitely think so. I definitely think so. I think if he played more, people would be more um, appreciative of what he does mm-hmm. and more aware of what he does rather than looking at past games in pre-season and in Europa League and given an idea or assumption of what he actually is, basically. Yeah. I think it would definitely help curb those, the misunderstanding that he, he currently faces, for sure. Yeah, and, and, and the interesting thing is, I would say... We've already, we've already spoken about Werner, but Mount has the platform. He's had the regular platform and people are happy yeah. with him. Even though he's not tearing up numbers-wise, people are happy with him. Um, so that's interesting. Okay, so Joe, um, we'll do the same exercise with you. Um, so number one, are you happy with the fact that Tuchel's tearing up the attack? And then just go around each of the players and let me know what you think. If they got the regular platform, because a lot of people say it's because they're not getting a consistent platform. But then let's just go through the players one by one and let me know your thoughts on whether you think they would have satisfied the Chelsea uh, audience if they got a regular platform. So what do you think about Tuchel getting the attack? So when it comes to Tuchel and him dismantling the attack, I think it's the right thing for him to do. Because from what we've seen, it's like he can get them all to perform at their best consistently. And it's like he has a lot of frustrations with them. So you see him taking players out, moving them into different positions, playing them wing back playing people false nine so it's kind of like you can see that he's not content with the mm-hmm. players in attack so instead of us trying to force him to make a way for them to work let's let him pick the players that he feels are the best for his system and okay. then we can judge him on that okay so when it comes to the actual players themselves i feel like when we look at zh and we look at pulisic mm-hmm. i believe with zh He's just struggled with a lot of adaptation and a lot of conditioning issues because of him getting injured and a lack of playing. And I feel like if he did have a bit more game time, he would still have a lot of the struggles that he's had because when it comes to the physicality and the pace, Mm -hmm. he's just not built for the Premier League. 
So with him leaving, I think that would be very beneficial for both parties involved. Mm-hmm. When we look at Werner, we can see the issue wasn't game time because he got a lot of games on the Lampard. And when Tuchel yeah. came in, he got a lot of games too. Yeah. The issues is, is that he benefits when there's a lot of space in behind and what Chelsea. So a lot of the times we're not going to have a lot of space unless we're playing big teams or teams that push up against us. Yeah. So with him, I don't believe that more game time or more rhythm would have helped him. Well, with that, comes... John, sorry, sorry to just interrupt yeah. you, bro. Um, but yeah, with on. that, I think there's, in, in games, there are multiple situations, especially under Lampard and even under Tuchel, where he got in behind um, and he even mistimed his run, got in behind or missed the one-on-one opportunity. He never really looked confident. And that's not something that is new. That's not um, a situation where he's lost his confidence for example he used to do this literally at Leipzig you know where he'd miss one-on-ones like those situations whilst you know the more you get great fantastic you could you could put like you know two in five of those away but generally at Leipzig wasn't you know the most proficient in those situations yes he was slightly more confident but I don't think confidence is the issue with Werner I think Werner's issue is this, this lack of technical quality. And I think that let him down so much at Chelsea. And it became so apparent at Chelsea because of the lack of space, if that makes sense. No, 100%. I would agree with that. I just want to be a bit nice to him in there because he's gone now. But <laughs> you're spot on. You're spot on when it comes to him. And I just feel like the best outcome has happened. He's gone. So we don't have to worry about him. So when we, look, when we go to Pulisic, I feel with him... There was just a lot of deficiencies and a lot of things that in his game that he wasn't giving us in general. And this was from him coming from Dortmund to Chelsea. And he did get a lot of games under Lampard when Lampard decided that, yes, this is something that I feel can get us a lot of goals, can use his dribbling to beat players and use his pace. I believe with Pulisic, it's just that, yes, more game time would have helped him. But then at the same time, you need to be able to build an attack around him for him to, like, do well. So with him, I don't believe that more game time would have helped, really and truly. Yeah. I just feel like with him, he's just not someone that is that good, in, in my opinion. I, 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 so obviously, you and me disagree a little bit. And whereas, you, I think with me, I don't want to speak on your behalf, but was it because you said that he showed he can deliver? Were you talking about specifically goals? Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't speak speak about performances. I think general performances, Pulisic has always kind of been pretty mid. Um, I've always said that Pulisic has a capacity to score goals um, and has a capacity to show moments in games. But I wouldn't say he. Yeah, I can't say that he's performed well throughout his time being here. Even in the even in the lockdown period, I was one of the biggest. Well, one of the biggest voices saying that look, Pulisic doesn't score um, perform well, but he'll probably get the goal. Mm-hmm. I remember there was that even that just against Aston Villa when the, the, the first game restart. Um, I remember Crystal Palace poor performances, poor performances, but he scored goals. You know what I mean? So, and that was just really him. You know, so one with that is that really sustainable? I don't know, but nope. I, I can't say that since that period. I can't say that he's had enough of a consistent rhythm to say if it's sustainable or not. You yeah. know? He must yeah. might be one of those probably players that score goals. Yeah, and, and the thing is, with me, my opinion on it is, again, like, I think I always, I've mentioned this a few times, but it's always good to, to just mention again so it kind of sinks in. But last season, Mane started off not scoring and he was allowed to stay in the team. And mm. then towards the end of the season, he hit form. And Salah, who started well, but then at the end of the season, he dropped off. Kane started not scoring goals. Everybody thought it's, maybe he did want to leave because he didn't get his move to Man City. Second half of the season, mm. he popped off. And and even like when we think about Costa for us, half a season good, second half half season bad. And the reason why I'm talking about this is because I feel like with Chelsea fans, because maybe we always have too many options, we don't allow mm. our players to have bad form. So, like, when I hear about Kai and everybody's saying, like, Kai needs to sort it out this season. Every single season, he starts slowly, but then he gets good. Kane, if we remember, for most of his um, early career, he wouldn't score for ages. And mm. then he would pick up form. And I think there's just no space in Chelsea for that. And I think it's because at least 
maybe because obviously we're a top team so we need we need we need, i feel like we need at least one person we can just say we rely on you and at this point we don't have that one person so we try to kill everyone but this idea that Kai Havertz has to all of a sudden sort out the season and he needs to score from the beginning and he needs to hit, hit, hit. Like, players aren't robots and most players aren't consistent throughout the season. But even if you look at Eden Hazard, a lot of the seasons that he's had with us, half of the season, whether it was the front of the season or the back end, it was half season of form. And so, like, I think with Pulisic, again, one of the reasons why he can feel aggrieved is because and some of it is injury, but he hasn't had those 30 starts and... Most of our attackers don't get those 30 starts apart from Mason Mount because what happens is when they go through long um, periods of bad form, we have to take him out because there's so many other heads and it wouldn't be fair to keep them in the team. And so I think um, what Mead said with Pulisic, where he says maybe he could bang, I think I personally will go along with Mead because I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to a team where actually when he's performing bad, he stays in the team and he gets 30 games, but he scores 15 goals. All that people remember that season is that winger scored 15 goals. So, Joe, do you understand where we're coming from in that regard? Yeah, no, 100% I get that. But then I also look at him and I see, like, even when he's in good form, the one thing that's consistent is that he's not a presence throughout games. Mm-hmm. He shows up in moments. And even then, with his knack to get into good positions, I don't think he's a consistent enough finisher in general. So even if he does stay in the team for 30 games, we can't really, I just don't see him being that much of a force enough to like get that many goals because he's not consistent enough for his finishing. We see it all the time. So it's like, that's just how I look at it with him. Yeah. And creativity oh. is very capped as well. So yeah. if he's not scoring say, and he's not, yeah, go on. I was gonna say, but would you say that maybe his finishing might be wavered because of the lack of consistency? I always say this, and I feel like people always assume that you know we're we're batting for you know <laughs> certain certain players, you know, bench players and stuff like that. But really and truly, like squad players do have don't have it easy. You know, it's not easy to get your rhythm. It's not easy to really um yeah get in the swing of things if you're just being asked to play 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there. One week you start, three weeks you don't start. You know what I mean? Like I feel like it's it's, it's not easy. So I feel like. Do you feel like if he was to be playing consistently more, like a bit more, have you not seen enough to think that he could be a consistent finisher or not and necessarily so, consistent? Because even consistent finishers, even consistent finishers miss chances. Yeah, exactly. So do you think, you know what I mean? Do you, do you think you could, you, you might be being a bit harsh? Do you know what it is? I'm, I may be being a bit harsh. Maybe I'm a bit biased against him. Yeah. Do you know what it is? But I feel like, yes, if a manager like puts the faith into him, and may put him in the right attack. He, I do believe, yeah, he will eventually get to the point where he could put up decent numbers. It's just for me that I just feel like, from when when we look at his IQ, his reading of the game, there's just a lot of things that are not there. And it's like at his age now, it's like how much of that will really come he, into his he's game still, if he's I, not had it already. He, I feel like he's still young. He's still relatively young, especially, and he's got a lot of games. And I think in terms of what Chelsea our is as a platform. I know there's a lot of people that stay in one camp, etc. But I feel like we can be objective. And I feel like I feel like personally, people should see the cycle now. Like when we're harsh, if you're harsh judging some players, like and then you can't complain when people are harsh judging your favorite player. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's important that we kind of try to keep this kind of like objective level when we do the analysis. And I think in general, what we see from Chelsea is that people get excited about newness too much. But I see three, two, maybe even one year down the line, people will start calling these players that they were excited about being new, the dead wood. Do you know what I'm saying? Because people, the newness allows people to handle them with like safety gloves and nobody criticizes. But very um, quickly at Chelsea, and it's getting quicker and quicker, people are getting upset very quickly. Lukaku, after three months, they were done with him. Havertz, it seems like the whole fan base is uh, turning against him. Um, and so, yeah, like I want us to kind of be objective rather than all of this harsh just because maybe it's with a, um, they're competing with a player that we don't like. I just feel like across the board, we should be trying to challenge this kind of let's be harsh and on, all, on any of our attackers. Um, but Joe, so, no, 100%. so Joe, you spoke about um, Werner, you spoke about Pulisic. Um, any attackers that you feel actually with the platform of 30 games, then people will rate them a lot more. 
in that current attack? I feel like with everyone, I feel like with the attack, I feel like with Callum and with Kai, because we can also say with him that he's had moments where he's been taken out and there's been other options that have been put in instead of him because mm-hmm. obviously he's not always been a nine. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like with Callum the most, mm-hmm. maybe not just because he's from the academy, but mainly because of the profile of the attacker he is mm-hmm. and the lack of that profile in our squad, I feel like we don't have enough creativity in our side. And it's like with him, I believe when we saw him get a run of games, whether it was under um, Tuchel or even at the beginning when he came back from injury under Frank, we saw that he was being able to link up with all these players. And mm-hmm. he was that one person that was able to pull Son out of the bag with his passing. And I feel like we're just now at the point where it's like, if the manager doesn't have enough faith in you to do that, then I feel like it is best for him to move on. So it's like, as much as, yeah, I do feel like with more games, I believe he would have been very important to us. I -hmm. think it's just important now to focus on replacing that profile of player because we need creative players in this attack. We can fill the squad with a lot of shooters, but if we don't have enough creators, there won't be no point. Okay. I want to talk about Hudson-Odoi for a minute because obviously Hudson-Odoi, some people even call it Chelsea hour. Do you know what I'm saying? So... Um, we do talk about Hudson-Odoi a lot. And I think, again, he's like, it's been a, like not even a long career yet, but he's been through so much um, in terms of straight out the gate, transfer requests, a lot of hoo-ha around that. Makes his England debut before his Chelsea debut, I think, or first start in the Premier League anyway, not debut, um, or whatever. I can't remember. I just remember that Southgate was playing him before Sarri and there was a lot of hoo-ha about finally starts getting played on Sarri. Big injury, right? Big injury, contract still not signed. Lampard has to, don't forget, into the season, Lampard comes in. Lampard starts talking him up. I saw like an article today saying Lampard thinks he could be world-class, etc., etc. We start seeing Reese James playing, Tammy playing, Mount playing. And obviously, Callum's looking on thinking, okay, cool. Okay, I was worried mostly about playing football, but it seems all my friends are playing. So therefore... I'm going to play. Apparently Lampard goes out, convinces him, et cetera, et cetera. He comes back from injury. And there is like, I think Meads referenced it, this kind of idea of um, Callum pre-injury and Callum post-injury. And I think you even referenced the Arsenal game, which is now infamous for that being the game that got people excited about um, Callum and the fact that he was aggressive. I watched highlights back from that, um, that, that uh, friendly recently, maybe a couple of days ago. And I saw the same player in terms of like when he had the opportunity to go on the outside, a lot of times he comes on the inside. Again, I just think there was lots of space in behind that day and it was pre-season. And I did think he looked a lot leaner and I think he had a lot more confidence himself. But the reason why I talk about that is I think people forget when he came back from injury, I think the string of performances he had, he had some really good performances directly after the injury. Now, obviously he had been through the injury but I think by that point, for me, at least anyway, he still believed in his way. Um, and then I think what happened there is he came back from injury. The Newcastle game, he was phenomenal. Don't forget, um, Alonso Maxima was playing in that game too. And Hudson Doyle looked completely clear of Alonso Maxima. And it's not that he was taking players on, et cetera, et cetera. Because again, I think it's the same Callum who was linking up, coming in the inside. Do you know what I'm saying? Finding players sprays all of that um creation he just looked he was creating chances right um but most importantly there was confidence in everything he did even when he messed up he was so quick to correct it because he believed in his wave and i think personally for me the difference is lampard then maybe because he wanted him to be a different type of player i don't know only lampard can speak about it but after someone that lampard went out of his way to convince callum I believe in you. You're going to be a star here. I think you're going to be world-class. Lampard dropped him out. And obviously, it was already a big knock when you've been injured and you're going to come back thinking, am I going to be the same player? But then to, I think it was important at that point when he came back that he would play regularly. Um, And I think what happens is he got a few games and in those games, we saw he was getting assists. I think in that first seven games, he got three assists. And he was confident and he had some really good performances. But I think slowly yeah. and surely, Lampard knocked the confidence out of him. And for me, 
ever since then, I haven't seen that same confidence that I seen in a pre-injury Callum and also that initial post-injury Callum. I saw that confidence mm-hmm. and I think it's been knocked out of him. Agreed. I think, I think um, first I want to say I completely agree with you. Um, I feel like with Callum and a player like Callum, you're only going to get the best version of him when he's confident. And I feel given everything that he's been through, given how much of a positive player person he seems to be, because mm-hmm. um, people always speak about his attitude and his, how good it is, how positive he is, despite injury, despite anything, really. Besides setbacks and knocks. But the thing is, I, I completely agree in the sense that you haven't... Like, I remember that Newcastle game because he was absolutely fantastic to the point Lewis called him generational. And that was you after know? injury. That was after injury. And that was after his injury. First game back. You know? First game back from injury and he was fantastic. He was absolutely fantastic. Creating chances for fun. I think it was William on the right, Hudson yeah. on the left, Tammy through the middle um, and Mason Mount in the 10. It was, such a, it was actually a, a brilliant performance. Confident, sharp. And that, yeah, like you said, he had a run of, I think, Five games, got three assists. Um, he got assists for Alonzo, Alonzo Winner, got the assist for the Tammy goal at Southampton. William has got, got an assist. League, I think. got an assist for the Champions League for William um, for the last last few minute winner um, against Lil. So I feel like that lack of confidence is showing. Um, and so much has happened to him in terms of managers losing trust with him, managers losing patience with him. Because even with the um, even with that run where he had all those assists, good performances, it was only, I think it was against Ajax away. It was just Ajax. It was Ajax going away. Game. Um, and Hudson, Hudson looked sharp again, but he wasn't finishing the chances. And I think he, yeah, I think there was two chances that he may have missed or he yeah. passed up the opportunity, I, basically. I think, I think that game... Uh, from what I remember, Pulisic came on and he looked he looked better than Hudson in that game. Yeah, uh, Pulisic had an instant impact with yeah. Michi as well. Michi and Pulisic, yeah, yeah, both had and, instant impact. And, and sometimes that's good. Sometimes you, that, these players aren't robots. Sometimes the other players going to come in and have a positive impact for the bench. I think after that, Pulisic played the Burnley game and or, or whatever Crystal Palace and got a hat trick and that kept yeah. in the team. But I, I remember the Southampton game as well where he got the assist for Tammy. We did the over over the top. I don't think he played that well in that game too. But but as no. we spoke with Pulisic, like you cannot play well if you make the difference. It's important, and I think at that point in those games, he was being a difference maker. Some games was great, other games not so great. But he was creating the chances game yeah. in game out. Um, yeah. And, and I think for me, I just think, especially as a, a as a young baller at that time, who again when he was coming through, I just saw pure determination. He made his England debut. Don't forget Sancho. Uh, made his England debut, wasn't pulling up trees. He made his England yeah. debut. I think he was great. So everything that was being thrown at him, he seemed to deliver. He took it. Because yeah. he, he was confident. And I just think, um, obviously with the injury, where you have so much time to yourself, that's it's difficult. It's difficult because you have to overcome that. And I think overcoming all of that time out of the team, finally getting in the team, to be knocked back out of the team. And then he after that point, um, that we're talking about where Pulisic came back in, he was never a regular again for Lampard. I think that has knocked the kind of confidence out of him. And I think in England, sometimes we do that. We don't like egotistical players. And I think, yeah. I, I, I've heard anyway, and I can't confirm this, but I've heard when Sturridge came into Chelsea, um, Sturridge is always one of those players that said, I'm going to be one of the best in the world. I'm going to be one of the best strikers in the world. And he said that from when he was young, because don't forget, he trained with the Brazilian team um, when he was 15, he went and gone, he was training with Ronaldinho, Ronaldo, all of that type of stuff. Um, and everybody can see now how fantastic he was a striker. But at Chelsea, the crowd and even some players, they were trying to knock the confidence out of him. And the only reason why I know yeah. is he spoke on it himself and he told him about how he felt down at a point at Chelsea, saying that um, the crowd wasn't on his side. And a lot of these saying that people are saying that you think you're better than you are. And you think you're a striker because don't forget Chelsea, they wouldn't play him up front, even though like he believes he was a striker. And he was a striker all the way throughout his career. But yeah. Drogba, Drogba said to him, Drogba said, I've been through the same. When I came to Chelsea, the fans weren't with me. I was getting all this type of shit. And it made me want to leave. And it's well documented that 
Drogba wanted to leave. And yeah, then Drogba wanted to leave loads of times. Right. And then I think Mourinho said to him or something like that, you can go back and you could be a failure or you can overcome. Don't lose the confidence. I know like you're better than that. You've got more than that. And to keep your confidence because they're going to try and steal it from you. The whole world is going to try to make you be more humble. But you know how like Africans, we see it with Rudiger. There's that kind of African, like we don't give a shit. Obviously, we did the same thing with Rudiger again. And I yeah. think and I think that what, what is kind of annoying, because Sturridge talked about it and it almost got to Sturridge. Sturridge said that Drogba helped him and that's why he kind of kept that confidence. And he knew that even if yeah. he was at Chelsea, he was going to show how good he was. And maybe... Yeah. Maybe that happens with Hudson. Well, I, I was going to say, the lack of Rudiger, I was going to say, the lack of Rudiger, because you saw how close Rudiger and Hudson were. Yeah. So the lack of Rudiger, in my opinion, who was a big advocate for him yeah. um, and a friend, I think that's impacted him massively. Because that not only is that like a mentor, that's someone that will give him confidence generally, because yeah. um, Rudiger was a leader, a leader of the pack in general, not just Hudson. Yeah. So that lack of voice, that lack of leadership, um, is is really tough, and obviously he gets on Raheem, but Raheem is brand new. Raheem yeah. doesn't really have that sway, um, doesn't really have that that grit that Rudiger has really. And Raheem's been through a lot, so yeah. Raheem, to be honest, is someone that Hudson really could learn from in terms of mentality. Um, but I just think because it's so brand new, um, it's very difficult to kind of forge that. Whereas Rudiger, you know. Talk to Callum Watson. Yeah. When Rudiger came, yeah. when Callum under Conte. So Conte, I think Callum was training with Conte on that season. Yeah. So, I, yeah, Callum was training with Conte under that, on that season. He got his first appearance under Conte. I remember, I remember. I remember it was weird because I just, I didn't initially place it. But um, when Callum was first coming through, I think this was even before the injury. And they asked him who his favourite person in the dressing room was. And don't forget, this was early days and there's a gauge gap there. Yeah. I was surprised he said Rudiger. And Rudiger, yeah. I think Rudiger's been that way for like a lot of the younger black players as well. Because I remember yeah. and stuff like that. But there, I want to kind of switch it because, again, there's a lot of context about Hudson the way. But it's, it, we do have to kind of think about the other side in terms of what can some... Look, they... they not every single player should have to overcome these things, but Drogba managed to find it within himself to overcome it. Mm -hmm. And my kind mm -hmm. of question is, I know that there's been so much context for Hudson and Doyle, but for instance, I, like sometimes, like I saw a picture of Hudson and Doyle training at the beginning of the season, and I know he was bulking up, but the reason why it kind of dawned on me is because I remember seeing Sancho, and I was just thinking, Sancho, man, like, you should be, you're still young. Like, I remember when I was your age, and I know everybody's body composition is different, but, like, I w I'm not a footballer, and I didn't have that much body fat, do you know what I'm saying? And I know that Sancho yeah. seems to be someone that kind of indulges. And, like, I remember when I was seeing the pictures of Hasna Doya, and he was in the gym, but I was just thinking, you're not, like, you're not that fit, do you know what I'm saying? You're, you're not a gym man. Yeah, you're not a gym man. Not, that's not what I weights, man. Not, not, I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not the. That's so. That's what I'm saying. Like, so even like, so for example, yeah, I follow, I follow Ruben, mm -hmm. I follow um, Reese James, I follow Chaloba. Yeah. Um, I follow Mitrovic, and they they all go to the same PT. They've all got the same yeah. PT. Yeah. And you could see they work. Like yeah. you could see they work, and yeah. it's not just like. It's not just like utilization of the machines, and yeah. they you see they work, bro. Yeah. You see it like physically as well. They all look yeah. strong. Yeah. Like Ruben now is a machine, yeah, like a machine, yeah. In comparison to how he was under Lampard to now, yeah, he Thanks. is a machine. Trevor Shaloba, machine, yeah, not a joke, yeah. Like, Reese James, obviously, we know Mitrovic in the best shape of his life. Yeah. Like, these guys, you could tell that they're. they're they're literally grafters, like, and they're grafted in the gym. You can see yeah, it. Yeah. Whereas Callum, when he bulked up, yeah, bulked up, no problem. But I don't think it was probably done in the in the most methodical man manner. Um, I don't think, again, like I said, he looks like a proper gym man. Like you know, and I think at the end of the day, I may be being harsh. He's still only what 21, 20, yeah, 21. So he might be finding his way in the gym. But I think if you were really about it, yeah. you get the best PC. You get yeah. the best PT. You speak to you speak to your boys. You speak to Reece James. You speak to Cal You speak to um, Chaloba and yeah. say, "Look, let what what's he saying? 
You know what I mean? Like, what, what is he saying? <laughs> so, don't don't get me wrong. I don't think that Callum is blameless. I I definitely would assume that he's played his part in you know his current situation. Yeah. Um, I do think that the, the cards that he's been dealt have been quite bad. It's a lot. I I I can recognize that you know, you know I can recognize a man that's you know about it really. This is this is what I want to get on because of course we've laid out the context and I think that's so important. But at the same time, I just feel like there's a reason why these players have to go the extra mile. The peak condition yeah. because this is this is not a game. Do you know what I'm saying? You can't be an athlete running the hundred meter sprint and then just come on with flab. You have to. Do you know what I'm saying? You have to be yeah. completely committed. And I think, especially with Callum, who, do you know what I'm saying? Like, people are saying, you don't have your dribbling, you don't have the acceleration, et cetera, et cetera. There should be no excuse. You shouldn't be giving them excuses. I feel like you should yeah. be, um, in terms of physically, fit. And I'm not talking about strong, but fit. And I feel like when I looked at right. him, I was thinking, do you know what? You could do more in that regard. And, um, yeah, so I feel like even his game, which, again, I feel like where people try to make these excuses about before injury and after injury. Um, it's an interesting kind of conversation in terms of there's a lot of people that are saying they rate hit, they rated him before, but I'm seeing more now. Like I alluded to before, um, when a player is new, everybody loves them. Gilmore, it happened with being yeah. fresh. Everybody loves them. But after two yeah. or three seasons, the way that Chelsea fans are, there's like an expiry date. Do you know what I'm saying? For support. Yeah. It's, it, do you know what? But to, to even be fair to these, these sort of fans and these sort of football watchers, really, to be fair, when you get that freshness, it's on you to maintain it or improve. You know? It's on you. And I feel like... I get it. Everyone was like, yeah, I love Callum's talent and what, you know, what he was about, what he looked, how fresh he looked. I get it. So to see here how he is now and to see that he's not fully kicked on, because again, we talk about decisions and I'm, I'm going to get Joe's thoughts on this. We talk about decisions, right? Callum had plenty of decisions to make throughout his short career, to be honest. He's been, you know, tapped up. By Bush, um, by Dortmund a number of times, been tapped up by by Munich a number of times. You know he's had plenty of opportunities to really take his career by the scruff. And yes, has he been influenced by managers saying no, we trust you, we need you? Yeah, for sure. But really, a man with high level of determination mm. and wants to be put out of his comfort zone, he he grabs those opportunities. He grabs those opportunities. I think. I was very disappointed that he didn't push for the Bayern Munich move the second time. Very disappointed. I was actually equally disappointed. And this is how you know how disappointed because I actually went to what I thought would be his last game for Chelsea in January of 2020, 20, I think it was 2019, January 2019. Um, it was his last game. I think there was rumours swirling around him that, you know, sorry, isn't going to play him and, He's pushing to leave, pushing to leave. And it was his final game. It was an FA Cup. FA Cup game. Cesc Fabregas. It turned out to be Cesc Fabregas' last game as well, uh, where he left the pitch in tears. I have thought he was definitely going to go. So when he didn't go, I was disappointed then because I kind of felt like, look, you need to make Chelsea look like idiots here. Because um, I could I could kind of see where it was going. Chelsea just signed Pulisic. So I kind of felt, oh, this, he needs to push to go. Just go, just go. He didn't go. Then got the injury, and obviously that just changed the course of his destiny. Because um, I, I was certain if he didn't get injured that summer, he was off as well. Um, so it's funny. I feel like with Callum, for sure, it's just that I need to see real desire in him to prove people wrong. I need to see it. Um, yeah. And whether he does at Chelsea or another another club, which I, I think it will be another club. He needs to show it because um, he can't be one of those failed promising ballers because um, he's too talented for that. And I kind of want to hear Joe's thoughts because Joe is a big, big Callum fan. Like You think it's me, I'm the biggest, but Joe is the biggest Callum Hudson-Odoi fan. So, Joe, I kind of want to get your thoughts on this, bro. Yeah, do you know what it is? With Callum, I feel like I can agree with a lot of what both of you are saying. I feel like is a hard one because when you're coming through as an academy player and you have all this hype around you and you believe in your own sources, like 
it's less daunting, which you'd think it wouldn't be like, but you, you'd think it'd be more daunting, but for them, it's like, it's a challenge that they're up for because yeah. it's what they've been waiting for. Yeah. So it's like, once they get there, it's like, they're like, before the like defenders get used to them and it's like, they become now just part of the furniture. It's like, mm-hmm. you can see that they underestimate how much pressure comes with being in the first team, especially for a team like Chelsea. Mm. And with the cards that he has been dealt, if you really look at it from an objective point of view, most players aren't going through these kind of setbacks back to back to back so early in their careers, Mm. especially when we look at the injury aspect. And I feel like that's where it kind of got a bit techie for him because it's like, he has the injury with the Achilles, then he comes back, he's having some games, then he's out, and it's like he's like he's not match fit as he mm. could be. And then he's still got to get used to playing after the injury. And then miss like when you get to the two cool time now, he's then having the issues with his back. And it's like I agree what Dan is saying about how he looked when he came back, but then it's like it's a lot to ask for him to be in perfect shape once he's had that kind of injury with his back and everything like that. So for me, I do think it's a thing of he needs a change of environment. I feel like he's just gone to a point where it's like he's not progressing. And you can see in certain moments where it's like where he has opportunities, where the column before he got dropped on the lampard would have maybe been more aggressive or would have made that pass or would have done that switch he kind of passes back and you can see it's like a mental thing for him. And it's like, as much as, yeah, we can expect him to try and work harder. It's like the environment he's in, I just feel like it's just not letting him grow enough. And I feel like now he kind of needs to step up, look himself in the mirror and think, am I really going to get to where I say I want to be if I stay here or should I now like go somewhere else and push myself more? I think, I think that's what he really needs to do now because yeah. like hoping some magical thing happens where but I, I'm just going to say I, I think Joe's has gone off a bit but I was going to say completely agree about the injury thing um, because you know I've, I've done numerous threads of Callum and backing Callum in regards to fans not really understanding the mechanics and not understanding the the the, the difficulty in coming back from an Achilles injury um, because that can't be understated. Um, but just to kind of clarify, I don't think it's even that. I just feel like, because even prior to his um, injury, um, I feel like there's just some, just small details that you, you, you know, there's just small details that I feel like he could probably have just done better. Again, I could be just clutching at straws. I could just be um, being a bit harsh, but um, I just feel like Callum in certain instances, just, just in, in terms of him bulking up this summer, for example, I just don't think that it was done methodically. And I, I could see that as someone at gyms, I don't think he'd done that methodically. I don't think it, it helped him per se. Um, but I definitely agree with what Joe was saying in terms of he shouldn't be waiting around hoping that Tuchel now sees it. Like, it, don't don't waste time, you know. You're yeah. 21, going on 22, he shouldn't be waiting for Tuchel to see it. A coach that wants him should see it straight away, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I feel like he definitely needs a change of environment. I think he needs to get out, play, and show everyone what he's really about. And he could show everyone that he is actually serious. He is actually trying to, you know, yeah, be a border that everyone respects and remembers, you know, because he's got that talent, got the capability, but does he want it enough? That remains to be seen. He's the one that's got the, all the answers. So we're just going to have to wait and see whether it's at Chelsea or not. You know, I'm, I'm hoping not at Chelsea because I think it's time for him to actually, you know, fly the nest and actually get game time regularly and he, so he's actually trusted rather than, you know, this bit part role that he, he currently finds himself at Chelsea. Yeah, and, and I think it's good to remember as well, um, he's not the first um, player to, you know, come through with lots of hype, but then end up at a big team and therefore he doesn't get trusted maybe because of age or obviously if there's injury. And I think for, for me personally, I think um, he was getting a lot of validation from fans from everyone was in his corner. Don't let Cho go as well. 
So he was getting a lot of validation football wise. I was at the game, that game, bro. <laughs> the fans were cheering, don't let Cho go. You know what I'm saying? Don't let Cho go. And, and so he had the whole fan base and nothing but positivity behind him. And he was getting validation for his football. And I don't think he's got that same validation for his football since. And so that type of validation, it makes you want to get better. It breeds, you know what I'm saying? And I feel like you see a lot of players lose their weight when, like, with careers, there's definitely setbacks. We see it with Rashford now, and there's so many players. Like, there's going to be points where you do have, even the best of players, um, Thierry Henry was an adventure at Juventus. A lot of the players, obviously, two of the best, very best players in the world uh, were both at Chelsea. So Salah and De Bruyne, if someone was to do their top five best players in the world now, and there was to mention Salah and KDB, um, no one would bat an eyelid because they're two of the very best players in the world. Both of them didn't cry at Chelsea and were benchman at Chelsea. And that goes to show that setbacks can happen to anybody. And so with Hudson-Odoi, he hasn't necessarily had much validation for his football in a while. Um, and so I don't know if he's chasing that anymore because I saw the hunger. I need to be the best. I need to play every single game. Anytime, anytime, um, anytime he wasn't on the pitch, he would be giving the manager side eyes. Um, and we saw it. Do you know what I mean? Right. Anytime he wasn't playing, he'd be livid. He'd but, be livid. And, and so my yeah. issue now, and I'm not Hudson Adoy in it, so I can't fight for Hudson Adoy's career, and I'm not going to do that. But for me, the difference is he seems to be a lot more accepting about, that's from on the outside anyway, he seems to have taken a place where he's been a lot more accepting. Maybe that's because he's been humbled. Maybe because he doesn't believe in his way as much or he just, whatever. But before, he seemed to be like, I should be on a pitch. And with that, in his head, is almost like, I know what I can do on a pitch. So I should be on a pitch. And when he was on the pitch, he was making a difference. And I feel like now, it kind of feels like he's lost that edge. Um, but yeah, that's just my take on it. Joe, do you want to close out on the Hudson as bit? Yeah, 100% I agree with what you said with that last bit. It's like, it looks like he just has accepted that, yeah, like, at the end of the day, this is a club that came through. I want to come through and succeed here. So whatever I get, I'll kind of accept and hope maybe I can work through it. But I feel like with all the cards that he's been dealt and the kind of predicament he's in, I just feel like with some players, they're able to thrive and make it through in those kind of conditions. But with all the cards that he's been dealt, I just think it's best for him to kind of go to a place where there's more time given to him for him and then be able to get back to that place where he wants to be the best and you can see it on the pitch. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I feel like that's the point from my perspective where yeah. I think we're at with Calma Chelsea. Cool. And yeah, you was coming through a bit crazy as well. So just make sure your connection is coming through nicely, but agreed. Um, Meads, I want to ask you on De Jong because again, I think that's the other kind of big thing. We're linked with De Jong. People don't know some people want it, some people don't want it. What's your thoughts on it? Uh, I'm not his biggest fan. Um, I think he's a talented footballer, but I also think he's um, a bit of a false prophet. I don't think he is, um, gives nearly enough as what his talent allow or should allow him to do. Um, and it's a big, big outlay. Now, again, on this pod, you've probably heard me a number of times. I don't really care about transfer fees, but just the fact that it's going to Barcelona and the fact that we're paying his lost wages as well, it is a massive, massive expense. So a massive expense for a player that isn't necessarily better than what we currently have is interesting. Um, many probably will argue with me and say that he is better than that, what we what we have. Um, but again, that remains to be seen. We haven't seen him in the PMP um, Prem. And I think a lot of people will be surprised, a lot of his biggest fans and advocates will be surprised if he doesn't really settle well here. Um, but I won't be. Again, I'm more than happy to be wrong. Um, I'm hopeful that he can bring quality because I do think he's got talent and got the capacity to do so. But at near £85 million, pounds, um, we'll just have to wait and see, man. We'll have to wait and see. I just generally feel like that sort of money... You know, if you add another 20, 30 million on top, you could go out and get an attacker that can actually change the face of your attack and make it look a little bit better with ingenuity and quality. 
But, you know, if you want to spend that on the midfield, then fair enough. I mean, I understand it because there's rumours of, you know, Kante and Jorginho not looking to renew. So I get it at the end of the season. So I get it. You know, you're, you're forward planning. Obviously, we bought Carney Chukameka. Um, Kovacic is still only 28. Ruben's there, 26. And we've got a young midfield. So I, I get it. I get the, the, the refresh and the, the, you know, the idea in mind for the future. But I just don't know. 85 million pounds all in. It's a bit of a mad one still. What are your thoughts, Joe? I'm not, to be honest. You said it perfectly. I fully agree with everything you said with that. Okay. I think with, with me on the young, I'm just not an expert on it. And I think that a lot of fans like to... I don't know. Maybe they are experts on the young, but because I didn't watch him regularly at Ajax, I didn't watch him regularly at Barcelona. I remember when we were buying Yaya Torre and because I'd seen Yaya Torre regularly at Monaco, I knew the player that he was. Um, and going to Barcelona, because the role they had him at Barcelona, more the, the kind of disciplined, deep-lying playmaker, the register. So again, when all of these people say, oh, Jorginho only passes backwards and sideways and all that type of stuff, a lot of people thought that Yaya was a nothing player. And if you don't believe me, just listen to what Merson and a couple of other players were saying when he was linked with Man City. Um, and this is why I say like people don't understand the um, anchor position is a risk-averse role. Um, but he mm-hmm. was playing a role for the team. And I knew what he could do because I'd seen him at Monaco. And so we were linked with him. And a lot of people were like, no, let's not get him. Let's not get him. Let's not get him. I tried to explain to them, you don't understand what you're saying. I promise you, you don't. But we were linked with Ramirez at the same time. And they said, yeah, we want a more, we need a more attacking midfielder. Um, so a lot of people saying we need to get Ramirez because he can carry the ball. And Ramirez had shone in the Confederations Cup. Now, Ramirez has great acceleration. And again, the Confederations Cup, do you know like how international tournaments can really impact people's opinions of players? So Ramirez was like the best thing because he made this run for Brazil in the Confederation. So everyone was saying, we need to get the more attacking player in Ramirez. I was like, you don't know what you're talking about. And that kind of shows that the blind spot people can have. And so like, this is why I don't know why De Jong hasn't worked out at Barcelona, but I'm not going to then kind of just assume that, you know what I'm saying? Because he hasn't, like, whatever he was at Barcelona, he can't be a different player at Chelsea, um, which is why I'm not ready to um, write off the De Jong thing. I'm not going to pretend that I know him in and out. I didn't watch him regular at Ajax. I haven't watched him regular at Barcelona. I have seen he does have some quality. I know one of the objections against him is people think that, you know what I'm saying, we need um, someone that is going to stay back and De Jong doesn't stay back. But, it's like with Yaya Torre. Yaya Torre can play that role as he played it for Barcelona when needed. And when he came to the Premier League, again, Mancini, there was, we saw two different Yaya's. A lot of the time, uh, uh, Yaya will start disciplined. Again, playing in the anchor position, you have to be more risk averse. So when people say, oh, Jorginho doesn't take risks. Yeah, listen, you get him to take more risk. And then when he makes a pass that doesn't, a risky pass that doesn't go through, then you're going to be slaughtering him. And so you can see one player in Yaya who, again, played the anchor and very, you have to take less risk when you're playing that role. And so at Man City, people would see um, that Yaya. But then when Man City needs to win a game, they'd often bring in another defensive midfielder and then free Yaya to be that attacking player. And that's why I talk about Yaya, but it kind of goes to show with, with De Jong, I don't know, potentially he can be that player who does the kind of risk averse role when needed to. And then is freed. Do you know what I'm saying? And I don't know. Obviously, um, Tuchel has an idea for him, um, but I'm not going to be. I'm not going to write off until I see him. Um, but yeah, from what I've seen, he's a good ball carrier. He does like to come deep to collect the ball. He does take a lot of risks. But again, I think where a lot of people see it as two DMs that we play. I think we we play two central midfielders, um, and I think Tuchel said that himself. We play two central midfielders, and when uh, we said on Chelsea Hour that we can see Tuchel playing Ruben as the anchor in the two, even the deeper one in two. A lot of people rubbished us and they're saying he needs to be let, um, left to left to go forward. And you know what? Ruben was allowed to go forward, but Ruben said himself, I had to pick and choose more 
because I was the deeper one, but he was still allowed to dribble forward. And so um, the way that Tuchel sees the, the formation and the central midfield, it's a lot different to the way that people think it's supposed to work. And a lot of people think they know football and they've got it clocked. And if only we had this person stay deep and then would win the league and stuff like that. But I, I never see it works like that um, uh, because a lot of the time, even managers are surprised by the, the kind of constellation of players that are put together that works. But yeah, it's, for me, it's interesting. I want to see it again, like Mead's kind of alluded to, I don't care about price. Me, if you're a 10 million player and you're in the field pissing me off, you're still pissing me off. And so uh, as long as you're playing good, then I don't care about the money. Do you know what I'm saying? But when, but when you're playing crap, I don't care about how much you cost, you're playing crap. Um, and so, yeah, so I'm intrigued about the freshen up of the midfield. And the only thing I'm worried about is Connor's been linked with a loan. Conor Gallagher's been linked with a loan. Um, and Conor Gallagher, again, was brought in this season. And it seemed like when he was brought back, you're staying. You're gonna, we're going to be using you, you're staying. So if he goes out on loan, that shows to me that Tuchel initially thought that he could play a role here. But after seeing him up close, decides, OK, he can't play a role, which is similar with Saul, who Tuchel, it seems that he saw Saul thinking, yeah, now he's playing a bit more of a deeper one. He can play a role here. But then he saw him up close and decided, oh, actually, he can't play a role here. Similarly with Lukaku, who it looks again like Tuchel like, saw from afar thinking, yeah, perfect. Then he saw him up close and then realised, no. So that kind of worries me, not just with the young, but any player, that Tuchel seen from afar. And then if they come in, will they be that player? Because we've already signed Koulibaly, who seemed to be the backup for... Tuchel's first choice to lit. Now, so far at Bayern, I've just seen one game or whatever, but he looked scary to lit from the clip that I saw. I didn't watch the whole game. I'm not going to pretend to. But in the clip, the small clip that I saw, he looked scary. We haven't seen Koulibaly look scary so far. Um, and so, again, it's just, can we really trust his talent ID? That's kind of what's scary to me. And I know that he, he seems to be the one behind the young. And so I would just hope if he were to come in, that it's not going to be another one in those lines of Saul, um, potentially Connor and Lukaku. Hundred percent. Completely agree. Yeah, completely agree. All right, so let's kind of fit focus on like um, expectations for the season, um, and maybe like outgoings or and maybe a little bit of Spurs match, but just kind of closing up. Um, we've got Spurs coming up, so that's a big six rival. So even though it's early in the season. And by this time, it's still kind of like pre-season, especially because we started the season a bit earlier in August. It feels like players are still trying to get fitness and all that type of stuff. We did, under two, we played Spurs, I think like three times last season. We beat them each and every single time. But since then, Spurs have got better. And Conte knows how to position players. Um, so how important is this match coming up? And what are your expectations for the season meets? Early expectations. Um, early expectations, again... Because it's too cool, I expect us to be competitive because that's the nature of the man, the nature of teams he builds. So I'm not going to um, dwindle my expectations. But I also feel like other teams look sharp and look good. So, you know, um, it's going to be tougher to finish top four. Um, but I feel like the, the, the main aim generally is to be challenging and being competitive and trying to be competitive with the top two. Um, and push for, for that. And I feel whilst these sides look really, I wouldn't say weaker, weaker might be the wrong word, but are in a, a period where, you know, there's uncertainty because there's been so much change. Chelsea should, and generally, tend to capitalise on those moments. That's not to say that Chelsea aren't going through their own transition themselves, but generally Chelsea tend to find their feet in the midst of chaos. So... Yeah, I'm expecting us to be competitive. This season, uh, I, I, I would like us to win some trophies because that is what we do. Mm. And, and it'd be nice to kick off um, the Bowley um, consortium ownership uh, off with some trophies because that's, yeah, again, what we're about. And I don't want that to, to, to be lost with Roman, if mm. that makes sense. So, yeah, that, that's really the aim and that's the expectation. And considering that we generally get to finals under Tuchel, it would um, it makes sense for me. So that's my minimum expectation. Yeah, we need to start winning them. We need to start winning them. That's 
Facts, yeah, we do. But it's cool. We won, we won the most important one. What I want to say is the Conte season, I think a blessing for us was playing two big teams early on where we got slapped by Arsenal and then slapped by Liverpool. Now, luckily for us, we've already been slapped by Arsenal in preseason. So that's one for three. Because I remember, I can't lie. All right, look, I remember, I'll be, I'll be honest. I'll be totally honest with you. Because I really like Lampard like that. And so when Everton got slapped 4-0 in preseason, I was laughing. And I, I was enjoying the L. Only a couple of days later, we get slapped 4-0. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? And so that obviously first game of the season, Everton versus Chelsea, both of us got slapped 4-0. Um, and it seemed like both of us needed to kind of fix the preparations. Lampard was angry, Tuchel was angry. Um, and the reason why I say that is because we almost kind of reminded both teams, this isn't a game, this is the Premier League. You, you can't get slapped, do you know what I'm saying? So I think both teams um, respected that this is potential banana skin. We saw Man United lose. Um, but yeah, I kind of want to get into the fact that that Conte season, luckily the window was still open at the beginning of the season. And those slappings helped us because Conte had to stay up all night and figure it out. Now, obviously, um, we got slapped by Arsenal and that's, I think, increasing. I think that's helped us because we've been more aggressive in the transfer market since. Now, this Spurs game is interesting because whilst the transfer window is still open, if we perform too well, is that dangerous, Joe? Is that dangerous since the fact that actually they might say, do you know what? We'll go with this attack. We'll stick it with Kai up front, et cetera, et cetera. What do you think? Yeah, that is a big fear of mine. I'm hoping that I'm hoping that we do win, but it doesn't change people's thinking of making sure that he gets the right additions for their attack because this season, like I do like I like me said, I want us to compete and I want us to show the rest of the Premier League that we're still one of the best. So I believe that Tuchel needs to make sure that he gets his attack right. So as much as, yeah, I don't want us to overthink and think that we're okay be like trash Tottenham. Mm. But at the same time, I do us, I do want us to win. So yeah. it's a game that I think will be very, very important because we did beat them three times last season. So Conte will want to make a point and we need to make sure that we have a good start to the season. You know what's interesting? Last season... All the teams that we were beating under Tuchel in his first half, do you know where he took over Lampard? And then I think we slapped City and, you know, we were beating all of the teams. And then all, yeah. of that, all of that luck ran out in the next season. And it feels like the only team that we were beating last season was Tottenham. So now I'm thinking maybe all of the luck has run out <laughs> against Tottenham. Uh, so what do you see happening in that game, Meads? Um, I think it's going to be a relatively physical game. I I do think that um, we will be the aggressors again because Conte generally tend to play in the transition. I think Chelsea need to be very careful of that. Um, and I think this is probably why, you know, Tuchel's been trying to push to get Kunde, uh, not Kunde, push to get um, Fofana in um, because he knows that we're going to be heavily reliant on speed uh, and defending against transitions. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a good game. Very competitive. I think Spurs at the bridge generally don't really do well. Um, so yeah, let's wait and see. It's going to be Conte's first game back at the bridge, I think. Mm. So, yeah, man, we're just going to have to wait and see. We're going to have to wait and see. It's going to be interesting. I think, no, did he play at the bridge last Must season? Have. Must have. Must have. I can't remember. He did. He did. Yeah. He did. He did. I think that's the game. Yeah, man, it's going to be interesting to have Conte back. Mm, you know, I think, I think Tottenham look pretty sharp you know so they will give us a run for our money and a draw is not a bad result you know whilst we're still in the rebuilding phase but I think we can win that game to yeah. be honest yeah and, we, and we listen I know that you can always look at the kind of like silver linings we get slapped therefore we're aggressive in the transfer market but we're Chelsea fans isn't it? so we want to win that's the, obviously the most yeah. important um, closing out I just want to kind of like yes or no because again we've been through it already on this one podcast but I forgot about Obemiang. We're linked with him. And so basically, yes or no, Joe? No. Okay. Me, Obemiang, yes or no? No. <laughs> All right, cool. My answer, 
it's, it's difficult, you know. My answer is no. It's like, he doesn't seem serious. But at the same time, we need somebody. We need a striker. We need a striker. But um, we'll end there. Thanks for joining me, Joe. We, you'll hear from again um, from us again next week. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends as well. We want to try and get more listeners this season. I will be back next week. Thanks for watching. Peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.